0: Thank you, Pastor David. It's really good to be here with you. Thank you so much for uh, worshiping with us this morning. And we're in Ephesians chapter 5, where we're going to learn about the difference between light and darkness, between being dead in sin and alive to God. Paul's continuing this discussion. It's very practical teaching. And so as we go through it, would you follow along with me in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 9. This is a continuation from last week. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9 It says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here Paul is basically going to tell us that God is calling us out of darkness into light. He uh, earlier describes our identity that we were once darkness but now... We are light. And one thing that we need to remember is that whenever God's going to call us out of sin, out of darkness, it's to bring us into light. He doesn't call us to live in a vacuum where you just, you know, church and, and the word of God is not about, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. See, I grew up in a church that told me that. And when I was 18, I realized, whoa, I don't know what I should do. I've just been told what I shouldn't do. And I've done pretty good with that. But, but whenever God calls you out of darkness, He's gonna call you into something much better for you that, that you will look back on after you follow Him and you'll go, Oh, now I see. Now I see that why that was destructive for me. Now I see why that hurt me. And so therefore He calls us out from the darkness into light and it's to shine so that we would shine the, the, the truth and the grace and the righteousness of Jesus. We're here to shine. We moved here from a community that was almost like Mayberry. It was in Tennessee and uh, we were up on a mountain called Signal Mountain and it overlooked the city of Chattanooga where the church I was a pastor was. And I used to hop in my car after work and I drive up the mountain and the mountain was about 2,000 feet in elevation. And uh, I, it was like going home on vacation because you drove through these mountains, you saw these cliffs, and then you saw the, the Tennessee River just snaking through this area. It was awesome. All my worries and anxieties were just, you know, decompressing on my way home. And we happened to buy a house on a uh, dead-end street. And at that time, our kids were little, so they would go out in the streets and they would uh, ride their bikes. And it was just an awesome place. They went out exploring in the woods. And it was fantastic until Jeff moved in next door. And I had a four and a five-year-old at that time. And Jeff, Jeff was this little seven-year-old daredevil. And we knew we'd have problems when Jack, my four-year-old, came home with a worm sticking out of his mouth crying, saying, Jeff said that worms taste good. It was his great first four year, ex- four year old experience on peer pressure, you know? What people say is good for you. Be careful on that one. And then I kind of freaked out when James came home as a five year old and said, hey, is there anything wrong with drinking a beer? And I went, what? <laughs> you know? Jeff had taken him into the garage where his dad had a whole refrigerator full of beer. He grabbed one of the seven year, popped the top and handed it to James. And I went, what in the world is happening here? James, thankfully had enough discernment not to take a swig, but to ask questions before he did. And he came to me as this innocent five year old who suddenly freaked out. <laughs> Jeff had a minibike bike at seven years old. And Jeff used to take that mini bike and ride it right down our dead end, quiet street. And he would just be screaming down there around 35 miles an hour. My kids were just coming off of training wheels. Okay? So Jeff, we, we liked Jeff. He was just a threat to our family. And you know, we had to make a decision. What do we do? What do we do with this? Because there was a temptation within me to go, wow. Guys, if Satan came on earth, he'd be Jeff. <laughs> Stay away from Jeff. Do you know what? We started to realize that we're light. We're light in a dark world. And as we were there, we started realizing, you know what? The gospel has been given to us. It doesn't seem like Jeff has the gospel yet. So let's love Jeff. Let's be light in this environment. And um, we started to get a backstory of Jeff. His parents just moved into this house. Their marriage was imploding. They had... Uh, his mom gave birth to a little baby girl who had complications during the delivery and she passed away within the week of, of being delivered. And, you know, we started realizing that what the parents were doing. They didn't. They, they had lost so much in the death of their little daughter that they didn't want to lose and they didn't want to hurt anymore. So they pulled love away from Jeff and let Jeff go wild. And so uh, around family devotions and when we were talking about things, I remember we were going through what are going to be our values as a family. And so I bought this thing that looked like a treasure chest. And I said, these are what we're going to treasure, guys. This is what we're all going to be about as as Hishmas here. So one of the things we put in there, we put it in the cross that Jesus was going to be The single most important relationship in our lives, we're going to love him more than we love anyone else And secondly, we had the word of god god's truth is going to guide us and then I put in a flashlight And guys, we're here to shine The love of jesus in this world in a dark world And so we started to pray like that as a family You know, we moved from that area and um, never saw jeff again he ended up moving before we, we moved. It was a kind of a quick jaunt in our, in our neighborhood. And, it, you know, as we, we talk about it, even now that my kids, my oldest right now is 18 and then 16 and 12. To this day, when we pray as a family and it goes around and one of my kids pray, before they go to school in the morning or before they, they leave the house and we pray about something, you know what I hear? I still hear it. God, help me to be light in my high school today. Help me be to someone who's encouraging, who's, who's shining light in a dark place today. I still see it because we started when we were young. You know, and that's God's plan for us, that we are people who, who are light-giving in this world. You know, we're assured in the scripture that, that we're not alone whenever we shine the light of Jesus in this world it talks about actually it defines the work of the Holy Spirit because Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And uh, Paul kind of gives us that that encouragement in verse 14. He says, therefore, it says, awake, o, o sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to awaken us. His quickening work of those who were once asleep to God now are awake to him. Those who were once dead in their sins are now alive to God uh, through Christ. Those who uh, didn't know about him now know him. And you're alive. So just like Jesus called Lazarus from the dead out of the tomb, he says, get up. Get up. Believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The Holy Spirit's work is to awaken us. Secondly, it's to call us to arise. Get Out, get out of sin, get arise from the dead, the darkness that was in our lives. Now live in the light, your light, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit where we're delivered from sin. And we're not just delivered from sin. We're even delivered with the power of the Holy Spirit when we get out of sin from the desire to sin. That's true in my life. When I have followed God, even when I didn't understand everything he was calling me to do. When I followed him, even when I didn't desire, he started building a greater desire for him and a less of a desire for sin. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Arise, awake, and then shine. That Christ will shine on you. This is not just personal transformation like arising and getting out of sin. This is life beyond myself. This is where we're to go out to others and shine in a dark world. This means that um, we don't let the gospel dead end in our lives. We don't kind of grab it and go, my precious, and keep it to ourselves. We let it shine and we let it move out into our lives. So we, like the fulfilled Israel, we are a light to the nations because we have the glory of Christ. When I was a little kid, we used to um, go on these retreats with my church, and we'd go to this lodge on a lake in uh, February in Wisconsin, which means frozen lake again, and it's another frozen lake story, but I, I went out on this lake at about midnight with a bunch of my friends because we could, we could stay up really late, and we went out on this, and there was a full moon, and it's interesting, our faces just glowed you know, now that I look back at it, it, was one of the greatest little experiences just to be in God's creations and see the light of the moon reflected off the snow, projected off of our faces. Now, we could go, wow, your face. And we did. Your face is glowing. Isn't that cool? Your face is glowing. But it wasn't our faces that were, it wasn't our faces that were projecting the light. They were just reflecting it, right? Because there was some place in the world where the sun was shining. Even though it was dark, and that someplace reflected light off of the moon, onto the snow, onto our faces. See, when we shine the light of Jesus, it's not us doing the shining. We just get out of the way so that Jesus can be seen in us. The Holy Spirit's going to help us do that. He's going to say, "Awake, get up, believe, arise, get out from out of sin and shine. Go out." And reflect the goodness and the greatness of Jesus in our lives. That's why when I uh, begin my day. And I begin my prayer list after I've been in scripture. One of the things I just read. And I've written this down. I, I pray this to God as I begin my prayers in the morning. I say, God, my eyes are open. My ears are awake. My life is available to join the awesome story of a wonderful God and a glorious king. See, God wants us to shine We need to get out of the way so that he can shine through us into a dark world. So how do we do that? Well, I'm convinced this passage gives us two key daily practices that if we would follow, we would shine. You can't help but shine when you practice these two daily principles. first one is this. You can shine the light of Christ by living wisely in a foolish world. Look what Paul calls this to in verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. He's calling us to wisdom. And, and that's a key value in our lives. There's a lot of foolishness. In the darkness, when you don't know and you can't see things and you're blind to the reality of Christ, really easy to live foolishly. But now that we've been brought into the light, we're called to reflect the goodness of, of Jesus, how do we do that? How do we live wisely? Paul kind of spells it out. Number one, we need God's line, his line of truth in our lives. This builds discernment, the ability to understand what is right and wrong. Look at verse nine. He says this, for, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. See those three principles of God's truth? They're good It's the best thing for us. They're not just an alternative. It's the greatest thing for us. It's right. In other words, there's no deception in God's truth. There's no shrouding. There's no baiting and switching. It's it's right and true. It's true. It's been proven throughout the ages. We need God's line of truth in our lives so that we aren't deceived. And, And we need to have that discernment. To build that discernment in our lives of understanding what is God's best for me and what is darkness. What will destroy me? And so we need that line of truth to be wise. Secondly, we need to understand our time in history. Paul says this don't live unwise, but as wise, look at verse uh, uh, 16. He says, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Paul says, be strategic with your life. Understand that your, your time in history is now. Do you realize that you're part of a generation, however old you are, though, if you're breathing here and you can hear my voice, you are part of a generation that could, that could, has the capacity to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth if you just were obedient to Jesus Christ. If you just shine, like Paul is asking us to shine, the wisdom of God. We could all do it. We all have the capacity to do it if we just follow and understand our time in history. Paul has explained it earlier in Ephesians that all of heaven's at the edge of their seats and they're looking over saying, yes, now the church has it. Go church, advance the gospel, give them Jesus. All of heaven is waiting for us to do this. If we would just understand our time in history. Be strategic with your life. You're not a blip. You're not a mistake. Even if your parents didn't plan you. Hi, I'm Joe and I was not planned. (laughs) But I realize I'm part of a greater picture of God. I'm part of a greater plan than I could ever construct that I've been called into the eternal plan of God to advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Recognize that and rise up church and advance the gospel. Be diligent, hardworking. Don't give up. Endure until Christ comes. The New Testament believers who originally heard this gave their lives for it. They understood they are part of a time in history. What are we giving up? To advance the gospel. See, we have to step aside out of darkness and into the light so that God can be, Christ would shine in us. Our line of, God's line of truth, our time in history, and just because it rhymes, are my wine of influence. My wine of influence. Look what Paul says. He says, do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the spirit, verse 18 says. See, this is, this is the picture of, of what is your influencer in life. Paul says, don't be intoxicated with wine. Because it dulls you to reality. It puts you in the dark as to why you're here. And you'll find that. That it, whenever we're addicted to wine, we're dulled to this moment in history. Matter of fact, we don't like life. We like to medicate ourselves When reality hits us. So that's why we get into addiction. Because we don't like. We don't like reality. And God says. No no. You don't have to be in the darkness anymore. So what is it. That's motivating your life. What is it. That you will get up off your couch. Of complacency. And advance. You know. I've seen people where. Their greatest motivator. Their greatest influencer in life. Was wine was chemical addiction. I've seen it where the greatest motivator in men's life has been porn. a Lousy, lousy thing to motivate you. But it it kills you. Greater men than us have fallen in this area. I've seen people be, be influenced by their work. Their work becomes their God. Their position at work becomes their God. Their power, their ego, their image becomes the greatest influencer in their lives. Some have a very unhealthy relationship that that they will give up everything and even compromise their identity to chase after. And when it's threatened, they'll give up everything and just kind of meld into that other person because they're afraid of being lonely. It's the greatest influencer. Paul said, don't be drunk with that. Don't be intoxicated by this world or the things of this world. Be filled with the spirit. May the spirit be the greatest influencer in our lives. So discipline our lives under the influence, not of alcohol or or anything else except the spirit of God in our lives. May we move from a darkened and drunken and foolish world into the wisdom of God. How do we do that? Well, we know God's line of truth and it's our line. If it is good, if it is right, if it is true. We understand our time in history and we aren't complacent. We're diligent. And we understand to turn over what's influencing us unto the spirit's leadership in our lives. That's how we live wisely. Do you and I need this every day? Yes. Yes, we do. I am someone who must have wise people around me. I have to have people who not only speak life to me and affirm me and encourage me, but people who can see things I'm blind to. And when the definition of being blind to something is you just can't see it. That's why we need these people. And it hurts when they call it out every once in a while, but I'm okay over time with hurt because I've realized I've been foolish in an area. And if you have people who are showing up at your door and saying, man, I love you. I hate the things that are hurting you. Stop. Turn from that. It's killing you and it'll kill you. You need to move out of foolishness, out of the darkness and into the light. Because we're called. The only way you can shine the, uh, Jesus, the light of Jesus, is to live wisely in a foolish world. We need them. Secondly, and that's all I've got is two from this passage is not only do we need to live wisely in a foolish world, we need to love deeply in a shallow world. Look at Paul, how he continues the thought. He goes, be filled with the spirit, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me just put them up here because he's calling us to a deeper love than a surfacey You do this for me and I'll do that for you. A logical love of the people who look like you and act like you and laugh at your jokes. We're talking about a deeper love. And so he lists some things here. He talks about you can measure a deep love with fellowship. How we speak to one another. How, um, how we worship. How we sing together with each other and worship our God. And, and play off of each other in service. And then in thankfulness, how are we thanking God for everything at all times? And then even how we submit to one another. Let's just walk through there and talk about fellowship first. How are we speaking to one another? This is a an angle of of, uh once we're filled with the spirit, we're going to we're gonna live love. We're gonna live a life of love, one to another. We don't hang around in a in a click. And this has motivated me as a pastor, not to just be a church about keeping people happy in this room. And if things bother you all, let us know and we'll change because we're a country club and we don't want you to be unhappy. I don't want to be a pastor who says, come on in here, sit down, shut up, pay up and leave. Now, that's not that's not the biblical picture of a church. Biblical picture, Christ's heart for the church is to advance His love through how we love Him and love one another and this world out there. We have to be a church that's willing to risk so that we can love deeper. We need to be a family that's not just focused on family time, but is missional and goes out into our community. That's why we're really targeting the High Crest community, that neighborhood right now. Because they're people who don't look like us. They aren't living like us. They're in survival mode. We like things comfortable. It's messy. It's not going to look pretty all the time. We're not going to be accepted all the time. But we have Christ. And we want to show the light of Christ in a dark environment. And all the projections, all the statistics, all all things are pointing to that's a very dark place in our community. We're going to love deeply there. And it's our hope that as we love deeply there, you would see how deep the love of God is. So we aren't just talking about the depth of God in a room that looks pretty good, where everyone looks really good this A great job, that extra hour of sleep really did you well. (laughs) But we're willing to go get dirty in the world and advance the gospel in a dark world. Yeah, fellowship is key. Then there's worship. Certainly this means literally, how do you sound together? Are you singing to the Lord? Literally, yes. And that's why we love music here, to worship our God. You don't start singing with someone until you're you're friends. Unless you're a lounge lizard like me, you know, where I just start singing to people. But when you sing, you kind of go intimate with people. You don't want to walk into an elevator tomorrow morning. Start singing in that elevator. It's kind of awkward. People don't know you. But when you sing to the Lord and you express your faith in him and you trust him and you express that to him, the spirit's honored by that. The, the light of Christ shines in that. But it's not just your singing. It says making melody with one another. In other words, the service that we do is complementary because the spirit has given you gifts in which you're to reflect through serving the Lord together. That means I need you because I'm not like you. And you have people I don't have in my life. And I couldn't reach those people. You already know. So the gospel needs to go out into your life. And you can do things I can't do. That shows the greater picture of who Jesus is inside and outside of this church. We need each other. We need to worship together. the other value is the value of thankfulness. This is how we love deeply because thankfulness is the bedrock of love. It's amazing. It's amazing that, that when you're discontent, love erodes. You ever had a really difficult day at work and you come home and the last thing on your mind is loving your family. You just want quietness. You don't want to be ticked off. You just want to Go to your refuge and not be bothered. You know, I find that when I'm discontent with people or with environments in my life, it spills over into my unwillingness to love. Yet when we're thankful, when we recognize the goodness of God in every place, look at this passage, it says, giving thanks, verse 20, always and for everything. God, it. Why does the word say that? I mean, I want to be thankful when when God shows up in my American framework and gives me the income I want and the house I have and the cars I have and the kids I want and and the, you know, their college paid for and all that kind of stuff. Then I'll thank God. And I want my prayer life to be prayers that God is obligated to do. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to worship him. That's very American. It's not biblical. It's not biblical because the Bible says always and forever everything. Wow, that's a whole different picture of thankfulness, isn't it? You see, when you start giving God the thanks for your next breath, when you start giving God thanks for bringing broken people into your life, when you start giving God thanks for every meal you eat and every bit of health he's given you and your family. It's amazing how love grows deeper. We need to have a development of thankfulness in our lives. And then submission. Submission um, is that picture. If there's going to be mission, there has to be submission. And we're going to talk about this for the next two weeks. So here's what I want you to do. We're the easiest church in Topeka to go to. We have Saturday night services and we have Sunday morning services. Saturdays at five and seven, by the way, by the looks of things, we need a hundred more of you to move to Saturday night to worship so that we can make room for more people here. But I need you to be here. Clear off your schedule. If you have something, cancel it so you can be here to hear these next two messages. They're very important because I think here in the United States, we worship our rights. And submission means that you're willing to give up your rights for a greater mission of God through your lives. And I worship my rights. I love my right to choose and to determine my future and all those kinds of American things. And I love this country, don't get me wrong. But when my country turns into the God and my rights turn into a God, Jesus can't shine through me and my love can't grow deeper. Paul says, for there to be anything, submit as Jesus gave up his rights and left the applause of heaven to take on the form of a man, to be fully God and fully man and live in this earth and to be rejected. He submitted to the will of the father to do that. So with respect to what Christ did for you, you you need to submit and we all have to submit. It doesn't work when I think life is all about me and people are here to serve me doesn't work. Look at Hollywood. It's not working. We have to, I know I've upset someone. We have to realize, we have to realize that submission is for our lives. And you know what? We all submit to the authority of God in our lives. We're going to learn more about this. But I'll tell you, in order for us to be on mission as a church, it requires you, if you're part of this family, to submit to the leadership you know what? I don't take that lightly. Matter of fact, I'm humbled by it. That you would submit to God's leadership from our leadership. I get up here and say, guys, we need to do this. You wouldn't believe what God's doing in this area. Come on board. Let's go. And you go, nah, I don't want to do that. And some churches do that. And they look at the pastor as a performer up there. And I've been more tuned in as a pastor, not to performing on Sunday mornings or Saturday evenings. But to being a missional pastor pastor, understands we're in Topeka for a reason. And I have to lead in that. Someone else could do it, but right now I'm the guy and and our elder board, our our leaders to, to move and direct our church. I'm one of the major communicators of that vision. And I have to be a servant leader so that you would submit to the leadership we have. Everything in life requires submission. You see what, see what we're being called into? We're being called out of darkness into light. Out of ourselves and into Christ. Awake, arise so that Christ would shine on you. How do we do that? I live wisely and I love deeply. Do you want to be a person God can count on to live wisely and love deeply in this world? You now know the truth of God and the love of God. It's no longer an issue of do you know. It's will you follow him? Will you live wisely? Will you love deeply? Would you pray with me as we just now commit our lives to these two practices? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that through Jesus you call us. Come awake, get up, out of disbelief, into belief, arise, get out of sin, shine, go out and be a light to the nations. Lord, we want to do this. And so we've sensed in your word that you are calling us to live wisely and love deeply. So heavenly father, you can count on us now, but we're moving away from just knowing this. You can count on us to act wisely and to love deeply. So that Jesus would shine through us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.